We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Dynasty Raycast on Rotoviz Radio. Lots of our friends over at the Blue Wire Network. This evening, I am joined by the wonderful, uh, as of July 20th, it is his birthday, the birthday boy, Dan Senior. So you're listening to this probably like three days from now. So it's no longer his birthday. He's just old as shit. True. Uh, definitely, <laughs> definitely old, definitely feeling it. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm here for the people. You know, I took a break from all of the crazy festivities, you know, just throwing a wild rager uh, at the house. And no, not, none, of, none of that. Been, been a relaxing, uh, just nonchalant day, which for those of you that aren't old like me, that's how birthdays become. <laughs> so, so enjoy them as you get old. And that sounds like a good birthday to me. And I'm, I'm, I'm getting up there. At, how old am I? 27 now? You you are getting up there. <laughs> uh, when we started this podcast, I was what, like 18? Who knows? Um, 16, 17, right. I think, in that range, yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's get into the show. Um, so we had the big piece of news, and we're kind of going to sit around most of the show around this news, and then you know some strategy talk afterwards. We have Cam Akers. Cam Akers tore is Achilles during an off-season workout, which for all intents and purposes, he is now out for the 2021 season. Nothing official as far as IR or things like that, but everyone's expecting him to be out for now. And there is, of course, the you know limited data on Achilles injuries and players returning from Achilles injuries and, and things like that. So we're going to start very specific and then branch out. So Cam Akers... If you're a Cam Akers dynasty manager, how are you feeling right now? Are you like, oh, this is this guy's now worthless. This guy is now worth a lot less. Like, where are you on the spectrum of like worthless to like still the same value? Well, I still think he's going to be in the ballpark of the same value. Obviously, short term, he takes a hit. So if you're just trying to get him off of your rosters, you're you're going to take a loss, uh, unfortunately. Um, 
And it's tough too because these are these are the most important years for especially a high end running backs. That first three slash four years of of a running back's career when they are producers and they are starters is, I mean, that's as important as it gets. Yeah, second contract guys, we we know the history of that, and and that's kind of once you solidify bell cow status. But he really only had Daryl Henderson to compete with, and from the looks of things, it was going to be his backfield, really with not much pushback. So. This this is tough as an owner. I think I'm probably going to hold for a little while, but at the same time, I'm not blaming people if they want to go and, and try to get maybe an older guy if they were trying to produce or move into maybe a Travis Etienne. I don't know what that price difference looks like, but if somebody is, is sure that Akers is going to be a stud and they're unsure of any of these rookies, I think a swap there might be reasonable. Yeah, and as we've talked about many times over the last few years, and in many aspects, we're all students of Ryan McDowell in the Dynasty Sphere. And a point that Ryan McDowell emphasized a few years ago was that, honestly, if you play Dynasty, you should play Dynasty like running back is redraft, and all the other positions are Dynasty, because those are the positions that you get three, four, five, six years out of. And the running back, you'll be lucky to get two to three years out of. And so this is that from that point of view, that is where the Cam Akers value takes a big hit because this is a whole year out of his prime, out of his first contract. And so the, the news came out 10 hours ago. I haven't thought about sending one offer for came out. I mean, I've thought about it, but I haven't done it. I haven't sent, sent a single offer out for Cam Akers. Because I really don't know how to you know value him at this stage. I, I do think that if the value is where you're saying he is, I think that he's overvalued. <laughs> but I, I think that my general sphere on season injuries and long-term injuries is that the day it happens, the day bef- the day after it happens, there is a bit of an underreaction, actually. I think the overreaction ends up happening a couple months, two, three months down the road, especially when it's an off-season injury that turns into an in-season when Daryl Henderson goes for, uh, you know, 20 carries for 120 in week one. Yeah. And, and for reference, he, in my opinion, was pretty overvalued to begin with. So we could see a steeper drop off than, than usual. Uh, he was going, according to our lovely road of his ADP, uh, he was going in the mid second at 16 overall, which in my opinion is about around maybe more too early. And then you've got the guys like Travis Etienne who are going to be going early fourth so that's a that's probably a drop that's going to occur for cam Akers. he's probably going to slide into that ezekiel elliott clyde edwards alaire travis Etienne range and those moves become much more palatable and honestly i'd probably rather have travis Etienne anyways might even prefer zeke by a little bit so if you can still take advantage of some of cam Akers' big time value and get him get a top 25 player for him i, I think that's an easy smash except in in any format really if you're going to play the longer game, you're probably going to be expecting maybe like a mid or low end fourth round pick uh, as far as startups go. Yeah. From the little like I've seen on Twitter in terms of actual deals going down, it seems like, and I, I think this might actually be slightly tilted towards acres in value. I've seen a 2023 first being traded for cam acres. Oh boy. Yeah. And easily I, take acres. Yeah. And honestly, I don't think that's a, guaranteed win there's no guaranteed win when you have you know a career-threatening injury like like an Achilles but 
I, we talk about this all time, or I talk about this all time when it comes to season end injuries. If you're trading future picks for, for a player that has season end injury, you might be reaping the rewards quicker than the person that's making the pick, especially yeah. when it's a 2023 pick. So if I'm buying Cam Akers at all, it's probably with future picks because I'm not sacrificing that, you know, that those points currently. And I'm like, okay, I might actually get, end up getting more, like, let's say, I think I'm gonna get more points from Cam Akers today than I do think like the 108 in 2022 or something like that. I think 23 first might be a little bit more exaggerated. Yeah, I think I would take Cam Akers for a, a 2023 or 2023 first any any day of the week. If somebody's sending those kind of offers to to get rid of Cam Akers, uh, I, I would be accepting those. I might even consider at this point in 2022 first, depending on my team build. Sure, uh, if you're if you're a playoff team, pretty much have to be. Yeah, yeah. If you're if you're a back half, you know, and it, maybe it's if it's super flex, that obviously stretches a little bit more. But if you're a, if you're a playoff team, that's that's going to be pretty palatable. Uh, even when you do look at these incoming rookies and where they're kind of just now regularly being slotted in in those first couple of rounds, uh, as far as you know, like Jamar Chase and Najee Harris, Travis Etienne. Obviously, the quarter, quarterbacks are going for huge money now, so you got to be really careful with rookie picks that are projected even like middle tier that that can be a massive loss. If all of a sudden, you know, this time next year, you're getting the equivalent of Justin Fields or Trey Lance in a pick that was exchanged for cam Akers, And maybe he's not even back for the start of the season. We don't know the timeline on it. I don't think it's going to be that long. I would assume he'll be ready for the beginning of next season, but uh, we don't know. We don't have a lot of precedent right. on Achilles. Yeah. That, that's the thing that I think that is very much the, the, the people who are looking to find a reason to not buy cam makers in the future. There's such a limited data space. This happened with I me. Mean, granted, I don't think Jimmy Graham has had a illustrious career after his Achilles injury, but when you, when Jimmy Graham's Achilles injury happened, it was like, no one has literally ever come back from an Achilles injury. Yeah. And Jimmy Graham's come back and he's been like, fine. He's not, not been pre Achilles Jimmy Graham, but right. he's been an NFL tight end. And, so you can't really say like, oh, here's these 12 Achilles injuries. No one's ever come back from it. It's like you need more than a 12 players for a data set. So that, that's pretty much how it is. You know, looking at Cam Akers, he did, you know, he didn't have the best rookie year. Um, looking at his range of outcomes, you know, obviously this is assuming he would have been playing. Um, there are some busts. There's Trey Mason, Matt Jones, um, and Alec Collins. But there's also some, some pluses in his range of outcomes with Dave Montgomery, Jonathan Stewart, and Nick Chubb. So. There are, you know, there's both sides of the coin here with with Cam Akers. I'm not optimistic. I'm not buying at this at this stage. But if people try to absolutely jump ship, I might I might start testing the waters. This is one where I'm going to say that I'm not I'm not officially not buying. I would say if the price is right, like with anything, though, I mean, we can say that with most guys. But there are some scenarios where I'm like, nope, I'm completely out. Want nothing to do with it. This is one where even if something like if I'm getting like fourth round startup value, I'll probably take Cam Akers in that situation because this time next year, his value should rebound. And even if I'm gaining a round in startup value, that's huge. I don't think we'll ever see him get back to to mid second or even or even high end second, especially in Superflex. That's that seems pretty darn high in my opinion. But we we have some grounds here for a higher ceiling of maybe getting into that top 25 again if you can get them for top 50 price right yeah for sure and closing out on cam makers let's say we already have cam makers on, on our roster 
we often talk about not wanting to like chase points or not wanting to like fix a bad trade or fix a bad pick. What what are you doing with Cam Akers on your roster? Are you are you seeking out a Daryl Henderson? Or are you seeking out maybe a cheaper option? What what are your thoughts on you know replacing Cam Akers or rec- overall recovering from the loss in value from a Cam Akers injury? Well, I mean that can be a kind of a tough proposition. You kind of have to leverage if you are trying to fill a void. You you may end up having to leverage part of your roster that you're either not ready to do or not necessarily set up to to be like oh yeah I got plenty to spend it may cost you a draft pick it may cost you a wide receiver a tight end or a quarterback to get into something somewhat equivalent in these situations I'm more of a fan of of chasing some of the not necessarily zero RB type targets you know those those mid to late round guys but someone that has potential for big points that isn't going to be extremely expensive even though a lot of owners when you're in a tight spot like that when you you have a big running back go down you get pinched a little bit you'd be chasing guys like the mike davises like the damian harris's who aren't gonna be crazy crazy expensive they may cost a little more than what market's telling you but you're not gonna have to pay the price of even trying to get into someone like a joe mixon or a chris carson someone who's gonna provide points that isn't super super valuable in, in dynasty and and honestly, in this spot, I'm probably avoiding a lot of those mid-tier like rookie running backs. Your your Michael Carter's, um, anybody kind of in that category. That's not really a place I'm looking to go if I'm trying to fill a void of points. Now, if I was rebuilding or building up, and Cam Akers was going to be kind of one of those cornerstone pieces, I might try to make a swap. Like I said earlier, for the Travis Etns, even someone. Yeah, even someone like J.K. Dobbins, if if you can make a, a somewhat clean swap for for C.E.H., even though I don't love the talent of C.E.H., I love the offense, and that that can be you know pretty similar points, honestly. Um, or if you can get somebody to add something and move into a guy that I still don't really like, but I still think he's going to score okay, like a Miles Sanders or even Josh Jacobs, if you can still get good value out of Cam Akers while kind of decreasing your you know, your, your value at running back, that's not a super, super awful thing because you're, that means you're increasing it elsewhere. So um, there's, there's plenty of moves to be made. I just, I'm a little, I'm a little hesitant to be trading for him, but I'm also, you know, hesitant in, and then overspending again at the running back position, like you alluded to earlier in the episode, it's, it's play that short term. Uh, You know, if you want to chase a Derrick Henry or a Nick Chubb, or even go, you know, go swing for the fences and try to get like Christian McCaffrey or Delvin Cook. You can try it, but that's going to be sinking a lot more value into a position that isn't going to be as fruitful in the value standpoint. It's going to be fruitful in points. We know those guys are going to score. It's just you. It's it's almost like you have to devalue your roster every season. Every season a running back has, they lose value in the long run. You know, you, you have to kind of take a little bit of a hit. And you don't know, you don't necessarily notice it year to year, but in a three-year window, a five-year window, your your dynasty rosters can look very, very different. Yeah, and this is certainly a strategy that I, I, I take upon with my teams that are more of a win-now perspective or when I'm trying to fill a hole for a points perspective. I look at redraft rankings, particularly four for four, but you know any sort of site that has redraft rankings, and I compare those to dynasty ADP, Triflex ADP, any other dynasty ADP you can use, and try and find the 
vast discrepancies. Some guys that are going much later in dynasty ADP than they are in redraft may become values because they, you know, they fill the need of here's the points I need. Guys like that are Mike Davis, Damian Harris, Miles Gaskin. Like those are the prototype. Those are the type of players, Melvin Gordon to a slight extent. Those, those are the type of players that are projected to score higher in 2021 are projected to score higher this year than, you know, you're projecting long-term. Therefore their dynasty value is lower. So when I have an injury, on a win now team, I'm looking for guys who are rated higher in redraft than they're, they are in dynasty. Cause I don't want to go out of my way and spend, you know, two and a half, three first on Derek Henry. Yeah. I'm, I'm essentially doing the same thing. That's, that's a, a really clever way to get into points is just find those huge value gaps that, that are provided between the two different formats. And I mean, honestly, it makes all the sense in the world. A lot of people just don't really think to do it. Another but, thing I, I will say, that doesn't mean that Mike Davis is under or overvalued. It just, no, 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 no. Yeah. It, it's it a point thing. It's just literally that his points are cheaper than what he costs. Like it's, it, it doesn't even mean you're getting a, a great deal. It just means right. I'm getting these points in 2021. Right. And you're, you're getting the perception of high end points for no dynasty value. You probably have to pay a little, like I said before, you probably have to pay a little bit more. You probably get pinched looking for those points. Um, but another thing I like to do is instead of turning to try to find like bell cow or big time carries, I then turn to the secondary running backs that are pretty much target only type guys looking at guys like Naheem Hines, Tariq Cohen, you know, kind of in that prototype. That's really easy to find Kenyon points Drake. as well. <laughs> Kenyon Drake is a really good one. Not like anybody on this podcast has been sending offers for Kenyon Drake over and over and over and over again. Uh, and I mean, if this was three years ago, you'd be super hyped about being able to get Kenyon Drake right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I think he's definitely a solid value right now in the where at, 13th, 13th round in Rotovis really Triflex ADP. That, that's certainly something. All right. So we've kind of actually you know, morphed and talked about probably more than we should have during the Cam Akers portion of the program here. So let's move on to the other Rams players. We have Daryl Henderson, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup. I'll start us off by saying, obviously, the, the number one thing is that this is going to increase the targets, increase the volume, increase the carries in the volume of Daryl Henderson. But my immediate reaction wasn't that because – I think the immediate reaction of everybody is that, therefore, Dale Henderson is now overvalued on the trade market today. I will say that I don't think people are, are estimating correctly what Matthew Stafford's pass share changed today. You know, people will, will talk about, you know, the offense is worse today. From a Matthew Stafford perspective, I don't care if the Rams' offense is worse today. Matthew Stafford gained 60 to 70, tar 60 to 70 you know, attempts by the Cam Akers injury. I, I don't think the Rams are going to be running the ball very much. And so that's a good thing for Matthew Stafford. He has some good weapons in Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and Tyler Higby. So I think the winner of, from this injury, I don't want to you know upset anybody here, but Matthew Stafford is the one who gains value from this injury. I, I agree, but not to the full extent. Here's the thing. The Rams defense is still, if not the best, one of the best in the NFL. They're not going to be giving up a lot of points. They're not going to be in a lot of shootouts. Stafford and, and the wide receivers are all going to probably do fairly well in second half in first halves. Daryl Henderson is going to get carries. He's going to eat carries. He's probably going to struggle for a bit. But 
I don't think the running game is really going to change pace all that much. They ran the ball quite a bit last year. Obviously, Akers taking that lead. Daryl Henderson getting plenty of carries himself. Now, the question, I guess, for him is, can he stay healthy? And can the rest of the backs in the offense stay healthy? I don't think what they do offensively changes as much as the perception may be here. I, I think they run what will probably look very, very similar, but with an upgraded passing attack, which honestly is probably going to be better for the running game because now you actually have a quarterback you have to worry about and all of the same pass weapon pass weapons aside from Cam Akers that you had previously. So you have another year for Van Jefferson under the belt. I think he comes on strong and he really plays a nice wide receiver three role. You still have Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. Adding Matthew Stafford here is massive for the offense and the defenses are going to be focusing, I think, the passing game a lot more than the perception of a backup running back. So I think Daryl Henderson could be in for a really solid year. I don't think he's going to be a league winner um, in the sense of he'll be like RB1 or anything like that. But I do think he's going to be in the mix in some RB2 you know, races. I, I think that's just almost inevitable because of the way the offense runs. Right. No, he's he's a wing leader in the fact that he was going like in the 10th, 11th round of redraft and like the 13th, 14th round of dynasty. Like, that's the league winner aspect of him that he's an extreme that he was an extreme value at his pre acres price. And like I was, you know, a buyer slash fine with him at his pre acres, pre acres injury price. I am like the the first uh, Hen- first Henderson trade I saw post acres was Darrington Evans in a first for Henderson. Get, like Darrington Evans is a Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry injury from becoming Daryl Henderson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, much. so yeah, I, I, I'm not going out and selling the farm, selling a first for Daryl Henderson right now. Um, I think he's fine. He's definitely going to be a guy that is going to get volume. And there is some like, you know, fluctuation in value here that, you know, there's going to be a sell window in the next couple of days now slash the next few days. And then when they sign Adrian Peterson, it's going to be like, oh, how much of that is Adrian Peterson going <laughs> to eat up? Or Todd Gurley or, you know, one of the 18 bucks running backs or one of the Bills running backs. Like there, there is an there is a very possible, you know, trade market for the Rams. Not that they have a bunch of trade capital to give up, but running backs don't really cost much trade capital. Like what's going to cost for Ronald Jones, like a fourth round pick. Um, so right now I'm fine with Daryl Henderson. When his ADP rises over the next few weeks, I won't be fine with him. Yeah, and and that's totally fair. And I, it's going to be tough to buy him at this point. If you already had him, congratulations. You just gained massive, massive value. Uh, and honestly, he's probably going to become a sell now, uh, especially if you're getting Darrington Evans in a first, because this time next year, it won't be very worth Darrington Evans in a first. So uh, if you can afford the, the, the addition by subtraction, Congratulations. Uh, and it may, it may honestly, the girly return to me almost seems like it's got to happen. Knows the offense. Yes, he's dead legged, but I mean, it, he knows how to run the offense and, and he got a massive upgrade in a, in a quarterback if he does return here. So I would say it's, it's probably going to be Henderson and whoever they bring in in the next couple of weeks, more so than Henderson and one of the, like four either rookie or second year running backs that are on the roster, all of which that will probably be cut. 
aside from maybe Xavier Jones and Raymond Calais. But uh, either way, I, I don't think any of those guys are going to be providing any real real points this year. So Daryl Henderson, I don't mind as kind of a, a middle tier guy for long, you know, for dynasty value, but this is, this is the, the peak of the mountain. And looking at Daryl Henderson's range of outcomes app, most of it's ugly. Peyton Barber, Donanda Robinson, Rashad Penny, Kyrie Robinson, Amir Abdullah, a lot of bad names. <laughs> I will say, I will say number six, number six is 2018 Derrick Henry. So okay. <laughs> there's a chance. Got some, ugly, got some ugly names followed by a very, very pretty one. All right. So before we get into more of a broad scope, let's hear from our friends ourselves, Rotoviz. I just want to take a second to thank you for tuning in to today's show. My name is Colin Kelly, co-host of the Road of His Overtime podcast, along with the great Sean Siegel. We do appreciate each and every listener, and as a thank you to each of you, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Road of His NFL pass. We're heading at full speed towards the season. Make sure you're ready. Get yourself access to all the content and tools up on the Road of His website. All you have to do is add the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout to get yourself that 10% discount. Now let's go and dominate those fantasy leagues in 2021. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, make sure you get your root of his on, RV Radio 2021. Get involved with the action, support the podcast. Now we're going to just talk about trading away, splash trading for players, you know, strategies involved with it, maybe some ethical implications involved with it. We'll start off with that here. Dan, you and I once hosted a podcast where we debated topics. I don't know why we didn't just do that here. Um, <laughs> but we, we debated the concept of trading for players while breaking news is happening. And I was on the side of don't be a douche, don't try to screw people over and, you know, send an offer that would be lopsided without someone hearing the news. You were more so on the side of you should check the news before you accept any trade offer. <laughs> I understand that. 
but let's let's rehash that argument a little bit. So with with the Cam Akers injury, if if I let's say I had J.K. Dobbins and someone offered me Cam Akers at you know ten thirty a.m. Cam Akers for J.K. Dobbins, like for me, I think that person is trying to pull one over on me and try and get Cam Akers current value pre-injury around there rather than, you know, a de-escalated value. I understand wanting to get out from under a player that just got injured, but for me, I think that if you're doing that, you should make sure it's built in, like there's a decent, you know, change in value, or else the person who sees that might not even know about the news. Basically, I think that if, if it looks like you're trying to make a trade based off of the news not happening, you're trying to pull one over and you're being a jerk. Yes, but also it's 2021. Look at your phone. <laughs> I, I was I was once called a snake on a podcast for having this conversation uh, by our good friend George. And, uh, you know, it, I mean, it is what it is. I'm I'm not actively like going out of my way to screw people over. But if the news is hot, the news is fresh and I send offers trying to get said person off of my team while trying to recoup some of the value. I mean, hey open up Twitter. Just most people have alert set up at this point. And, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not vouching or, or saying that it's okay for to, to be a complete scumbag, but I mean, come on, check your phone. It's not that, it's not that difficult. And honestly, yeah. if, if you're, if you're offering something that's similar or you're asking for a player that's nearby, maybe a little bit lower in ADP, I don't think it's a big deal. If you're trying to, you know, go cam acres up to like, Antonio Gibson or something and adding like a third and someone's like been bugging you for cam acres all year. And then all of a sudden you throw them this, this, you know, olive branch of an offer that has cam acres plus something for a player you were willing to trade away. And then all of a sudden it's accepted and like, Oh, Hey, I didn't know cam acres was injured. You know, sometimes you got to use the the news and, and, you know, th things you have on other owners to your, to your advantage. Yeah, I mean, the biggest, like, con to my presentation of an argument I just had is that, like, where is the line? Like, is it uh, is it J.K. Dobbins? Is it, like, a sixth-round player? Is it a ninth-round player? Like, where is it you're, that you're not taking advantage of the person from not knowing the news? Um, but, you know, for me, I just try and, you know, some of my league mates might disagree with this. I try and make fair offers, <laughs> uh, you know, at the prep as the news that I currently have. So I'm not going to try and... You know, if K-Makers is worth a second-round starter pick, I'm not going to try and trade him for a second-round starter pick the day he, turned, he, he tears in Achilles, basically. Here's the thing. It's not like K-Makers died. He's going to be back next year. Yeah. Yes, it's an Achilles. We don't know what that really means at this point. He will be back. If Aaron Rodgers retires now, and I send you Aaron Rodgers for whomever, and you accept it, but you didn't see Aaron Rodgers, that is, that is sure, being scummy. Sure. Very different. If you know the Deshaun when the Deshaun Watson news started, you make a deal for the Deshaun Watson thing, and that's still kind of up in the air what's happening there. Well, but yeah, I mean that's a that's that, a bigger that was deal. Happening over, I mean that has and is been happening for several months. Like you know, Deshaun Watson was traded for Jamar Chase in one of my leagues, and the entire league yelled at the guy <laughs> who traded away Deshaun Watson, and now that guy's a genius. So. so now let's let's move on to more so just 
general trading strategy. So when a player gets hurt, are you often the guy trading for or often trading away? Or are you kind of waiting for things to play out? I mentioned before that I think that specifically when I'm trying to trade for, I, I, I think that the value decreases a little bit slower than you would expect. Cam Akers isn't the cheapest today on July 20th. I think he'll be the cheapest September 1st or September 10th. Like, I think that it takes some time for the value to decrease. And so when I'm trading for an injured player, I think I, it, it takes some time. That might change a little bit in season in terms of somebody maybe really needing a player. But I, I do think there, there's some time to marinate in terms of trading for. And in terms of trading away, it depends on where my team's at. If I'm trading away a player because I need points, it is what it is. I'm Anyone who has ever traded away an injured player, you know you're sacrificing some bit of value. Yeah, a lot of it does depend on the player and what kind of what kind of cushion they have for their value. Now, someone like Cam Akers, I, I do believe he's going to fall a decent bit, but it, it, it'll bounce back. It may not get as high as it is currently, or or it was pre-injury news, but there's going to be a bounce back there. So you're not going to be losing a ton. In most cases, I find myself holding, unless it's a player that I, I had on a roster that. I got in a deal or, or maybe it was an orphan and, and I just didn't have the, you know, the, the time to move him or nobody wanted him. And if it's a player I'm not overly fond of, there's, a, you know, a situation where I'm okay taking a loss. If I can get into a player, I like better at whatever price that may be. Now I'm not trying to, to destroy my whole roster over a move like that. But when the injury does occur and it's someone that I'm not, overly fond of having on my team i'm going to be okay you know taking a little bit of a loss so for today if i have cam Akers on a team which i think i only have one share of i would be okay taking a bit of a loss because even though i i kind of came around to the idea of cam Akers, his value got so inflated that it, it just became really hard to want to stay on that side I, I i would prefer to have not have had that because yes he did kind of come on strong at the end of the season but at the same time he was pretty mediocre for the majority of it. So, you know, it, it just in general, like I said, if it's someone I'm I'm in love with, I'm holding. I'm going out and I'm trying to buy as many shares as I, I can if it's someone I love because anytime you can get an injury discount, that's great because that's arguably the cheapest that they'll be at any point in time, uh, assuming it's someone that's actually worth having. Otherwise, if I have them, in most cases, I'm just holding. Unless someone makes, you know, a, a strong enough offer, if they're rebuilding, those are kind of the teams you want to target. If you have a young player that gets injured, target the rebuilding teams, try to get them into an asset that, you know, improves their long-term outlook that maybe improves your short-term outlook. Um, not necessarily, again, killing your value on your roster, but if you can, if you can swap kind of like we talked about earlier, so if you can swap dynasty value for some, some good points, even if it is a two, a three, you know, a, one of those kind of type windows, uh, I'm okay doing things like that as well. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> so does it does it impact position at all? So I, I talked about earlier how running back, I tend to more do of a redraft perspective. <clears throat> for me, when it's a running back, I mean, when it's wide receiver or quarterback, I definitely value that loss of a year a lot less than I do with a running back. So if I have a wide receiver that's out for the year, I'm a lot less likely to ditch him for, you know, a lesser prospect or a lesser player than I am at the running back position. Do you hold the same cord? Definitely with wide receivers, quarterbacks, it just kind of depends. Now, you know, when, when Drew Brees went down with the thumb thing, however many years ago, 
that kind of felt like it for me. Then it was the shoulder and, and so on and so forth. Big Ben has kind of had the same struggles over the last however many years, you know, with injuries and, and just hasn't been the same Big Ben that we were kind of used to. Same with Phillip Rivers. Kind of all of those guys, when you slowly start to deteriorate as an older quarterback, that's the time that I'm going to be more willing to move on and, and take a, a pretty sizable devaluation on a, on an older quarterback, even someone like Aaron Rodgers with a, the possible retirement B possibly not playing. But if he were to go down with an injury right now, I'm like, well, I mean, he was probably going to maybe be done. Who knows? Uh, that could be a, that could be a big, a free fall as far as I'm concerned. So wide receivers are the ones that I don't really adjust much in value. If they, uh, unless it's something crazy, like if it were to be an Achilles, I would probably still devalue that player a decent amount just because we don't know ACLs that that doesn't really change anything anymore. Uh, you know, some soft tissue stuff we we've seen some issues with and that that can become a lingering issue. But even then that's usually not going to be a, a full year of being out. So um, I'm, I'm usually holding pad on wide receivers, tight ends. I think at this point we just kind of insulate the tight end value with injuries because it's almost guaranteed that they get injured in, in some way, shape or form and only give us 10 to 13 games as it is. So that's, um, that's tough. And, and then, yeah, like you mentioned with the running backs, I think you do kind of have to work in a short window with them. You can't expect to get an Adrian Peterson 12 year kind of, you know, career where he's putting up RB one, two or three numbers for the entirety of it. That just really doesn't exist. The guys that are doing that are, are hall of famers. Uh, and if you look up and down the list of, of the dynasty slate for running backs, there's what, maybe six guys you could kind of put into that category. And, and that might even be too many. All right. Let's wrap up today's show by talking a bit about, about scheduling slash how the 18 week season impacts our fantasy leagues. So, when the news broke that the, the NFL was going from a 17-week season to an 18-week season, 17 games and one 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 bye week for each team, my initial thoughts were, for at least this year, let's keep it the same. Let's not touch anything. Let's have the championship be week 16. There'll be two you know worthless weeks in, in the terms of fantasy. Now that did change when there was an it was announced that there will be buys in week 14. That was the huge difference. I think it was so easy for us to say, let's not worry about it. Most fantasy leagues have their playoffs between week 14 and week 16 on the 17-week schedule. And so where I'm at currently is that I'm leaning towards, you know, quote-unquote risking it and having a week week 17 schedule and having, uh, you know, 14 weeks of regular season in your typical 12-team league. Is that where you're leaning as well? Like, am I over accounting for the bye weeks being in week 14? Basically, this is the conundrum. Do you want to deal with buys in the first week of the playoffs? Or do you want to deal with the possibility that many teams might might not have as much to play for in week 17 of the regular season? Yeah, it's it's a tough spot. Originally, I was full on board with still having a six a week 16 championship and just essentially excluding week 17 and week 18. But like you said, the addition of the week 14 buys, that's kind of a crippler. Honestly, that, that kind of forces your hand into having a week 17 championship. 
because you can't really <laughs> you can't really have a true playoff system with a bye week mixed in there. You know, if you don't have a main player I mean, going into the playoffs, I, the, the the counterpoint would be that I have deeper leagues. I have twenty fourteen leagues that have had buys during the playoffs for years now, just because there was no way out of it with week thirteen and week twelve buys. Sure, and and you know if that if that's the case, then you can probably stick to the program, continue to do what you were doing, because that doesn't really affect you much, but. In the standard, the 12s, the 14 team, whatever it happens to be, where you are having still week 16 championships, this is kind of forcing your hand and moving it back. Unless you move into a, you can take your your season long scoring average as kind which of your, is the, that's the worst. which it's it's bad, but that insulates the the potential huge risk of having a a main player, one of your premier players being out for a bye week and i don't love it but it's you know it could help the other thing you could do is just moving into a system of you take the first two weeks uh you know best total moves on however many teams you want to have in there uh you could do you could do multi-week championships i I think um i played in a, a league i don't remember how long ago but it was everybody stayed in all six playoff teams stayed in for all of the weeks of the playoffs. You took your, you know, the most points just one. So instead of put the potential for a huge upset in a head to head, it truly was the best team winning it all. And whoever scores the most points scores the most points. That's it. If you have a buy, you have a buy, you deal with it. It's not going to cripple you because you still have three other weeks to make up 20 points. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think my general approach for now is going to be risking it and going to the Week 18 championship in pretty much all of my leagues. I mean, that, that's the other thing is that when, you, when you're commissioning several leagues, you don't really want to have like, oh, this league has the Week 17 championship, this league has the Week 18, yeah. like, you know, playing around with that. But I will say like the, it's in with – it's with – we like talk about range of outcomes a lot in this podcast. It's within the range of outcomes that we move our championship to Week 18 and like – 10 out of 32 teams don't play starters. Yeah. I, I, to, in my, my opinion, honestly, I think I'll be moving more to the multi-week or, you know, drop your worst score type of thing where you keep all six teams in. You you play for three weeks, four weeks, however many weeks your playoffs need to be, and you drop your worst. Um, that that might be in, in there as well for me. But, yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see just kind of what the whole community does with, with this. It's, I know a lot of play, not a lot of people probably haven't even figured it out yet. And the, uh, the season's just around the corner. So I think uh, it's an important conversation to have with your leagues, with your commissioners as commissioners, not necessarily forcing anything onto anybody, but finding what everybody feels is best for said league. If you're in a position like Nathan, where you're, you know, you're a commissioner of, however many leagues, a bunch of them, um, you kind of want a clean line across the board, but you're going to have players in all of those leagues that are going to want different things. And sometimes they're just, you're going to have unhappy owners. So it's a tough spot to be as a commissioner, but I think just kind of hearing league mates out and other owners out about trying to find what's best, what everybody thinks is fair. That's probably the only way we can approach it. Alrighty, that should wrap us up for this evening. We'll talk to you guys next week. Any last words from the birthday boy? Happy birthday to me. 
and many more. Kadoosh! <laughs>